everybody. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Lights Out Podcast, episode 13 today. I'm your host, Josh, and as always, I'm joined in studio with my producer, Joel, who's also my brother as well. But today we're going to be talking about aliens yet again. And this is probably one of my favorite topics that we cover here on Lights Out. And uh, that's for a lot of different reasons. But I think the main reason is because I definitely believe aliens are out there. And I honestly, truly believe that we have been visited by them. So when we talk about these alien abduction stories, they hit especially close to home for some reason, because the idea that some unknown spacecraft with unknown beings in it could potentially take me away at any point in time to their ship and do who knows what to me is both kind of spooky, but at the same time, it's also really exciting to think about because, I mean, come on, what's what's a bigger question in life other than are we alone in the universe? And I think hearing about alien abduction stories just kind of definitely reaffirms my belief that we are definitely not alone in the universe. So today's episode is actually going to be on Linda Cortile and her alien abduction experience. Now it's interesting because when doing research for her, she also goes by the name Linda Napolitano. And I'm not exactly sure why she has two names. I'm assuming maybe it's a way to you know, sort of keep herself protected because of her story. I'm not entirely sure, but for the sake of today's episode, we'll just simply call her Linda. Her story is very, very interesting. And it happens in one of the busiest places on the planet. And that is Manhattan, New York. But before we get into the episode, I wanted to first say, if you guys want to support the show, one great way to support us is to go and follow us on Spotify and subscribe to us on iTunes. That really does help. Even if you only watch the show on YouTube, which I know a lot of you guys love to enjoy lights out in the visual form, because obviously if you've watched any of our episodes on YouTube, we put tons of media in it. Thanks to Joel you know, we've got all the images, all the visual stuff that you need to really get a good grasp on the stories and topics that we cover. But if you wouldn't mind, you know, going to all three and following and subscribing, that really does help us out. So really appreciate it if you do that. But also, I just want to say we are in the works with merch. It's taking a little bit longer than usual, obviously, with everything going on in the world, everything is moving at a much slower pace. And because a lot of places are short staffed and and whatnot. So, you know, we're getting those designs finalized and hopefully we should have some merch out, you know, in the next couple of weeks is is my hope. And uh, also I'm looking at maybe doing like a fan club or something. So I don't know if you guys be interested in something like that. Maybe another way for us to connect with you guys, maybe live streams here and there, or, you know, some exclusive content over there. Just, you know, maybe Joel and I just sit down and, you know, have a little smoke session, talk about, some of our favorite scary stories or something or favorite movies or something. Let us know if you guys would be interested in seeing any of that or hearing any of that because we'd definitely be open to that. But yeah, let's go ahead and get into Linda Cortau or Linda Napolitano's alien abduction story. So Linda is pretty much your average woman, your average mom, average wife, And she was just enjoying living a very quiet life with her husband and two sons in the Lower East Side of Manhattan in the 1980s. That's where they were living at the time. 
And Linda at the time was very content with her life as a homemaker and mother and, you know, nothing out of the ordinary, no sort of indications that something bad potentially could happen. But yeah, just living a totally normal life. But on November 30th, 1989, her quiet world was completely shattered and a legend was born. Linda experienced a phenomenon that thousands of people around the world have claimed to have experienced too. She became center of one of the most infamous alleged alien abductions that have ever occurred. And I'm like, God, if thousands of people have experienced alien abductions, I wonder what my chances are of being abducted. Cause I think that if I was abducted, that would be, you know, kind of cool as, as frightening as it would probably be at the same time. I would be kind of thrilled because at least you get the, you know, chance to know if aliens are real or not. And if they're actually out there, right. It would be an experience that so many of us would want to have and think about how much knowledge you would have about everything afterwards. Yeah. I'm sure your perspective on the, on the world shifts a little bit after you are brought on board an alien spaceship, but I don't know if uh, you really would want that to happen to you after hearing what Linda experiences. So at approximately 3.15 a.m. on a chilly November morning, Linda and her husband were just laying asleep in their bed. When all of a sudden, she woke up out of her deep sleep and sensed that something was watching her. I don't know about you, but I've definitely had those nights where I jolt like wide awake and even sit up in bed thinking that I've seen something or heard something. Usually it's a sound. Like I used to have sort of these night terrors where I'd wake up. And at one time I woke up and swear I heard like a bunch of gunshots and I jumped out of the bed actually and ran over to the window, like straight up out of my sleep and was like peering out the window. And I remember Kendall, she, she got up and she was like, what are you looking at? What are you like freaking out? Cause I looked so freaked out, but I think I was kind of <laughs> like bet, dude. half asleep looking out the window thinking, yeah. and obviously there was nothing going on, but it's weird how, you know, that waking state from a deep sleep into a conscious state where you're kind of like in between and you can almost like hallucinate or just hear or see weird things. Have you ever experienced anything like that? Totally. There was this one time where, you know, I was sleeping and I, I felt like I was waking up, but when I looked up, I saw what it appeared to be like someone was standing right by my bed, staring at me, kind of like what happened here. Yeah. And yeah, I was just freaking What'd out. What'd you do? Well, I mean, I thought I was still dreaming in, in that point of time. So, you know, just pinching myself like, holy shit, is this really happening? And then, you know, sure enough, like I'm one of those guys who just has to immediately turn on the light just to make sure yeah, everything's yeah. good. And, you know, sure enough, it's just my dresser with a little pile of clothes on it. And I was like, holy fuck, That's this usually looks so real. Yeah, exactly. It's always something like ordinary like that, but not for Linda. When she looked up from her bed, she saw a small creature in her room. And it was a gray being of some sort with a large bald head and wide dark black eyes and it only stood about four feet tall think about that for a moment waking up and realizing that there really is something standing there over your your bed and linda she was extremely shocked confused throws a pillow at the creature instead of screaming at it or anything like that (laughs) her first instinct is to fucking grab her pillow and throw it like that's gonna get away from me. <laughs> Throw your pillow. You know what I'm fucking doing? 
I'm reaching under my bed, grabbing yes. my Glock, and I'm putting fucking nine rounds into this being oh, standing at sure. the foot of my bed. That's what I'm doing because fuck that. I'm not going to fucking throw like that's like the most non-threatening thing you could possibly do if you felt threatened by a person or something unknown standing at the foot of your bed <laughs> is throw your fucking pillow at it. Yeah, for real. I what is that going to do? Nothing at all. So this is what Linda does. She throws the pillow at the creature and then she decides that she wants to wake up her husband, obviously, because he's got to deal with this. But all of a sudden, a message is transmitted to her telepathically and it warned her to be quiet. I think it's at that point that Linda should start fucking screaming and wake her husband up. But suddenly her vision is obstructed by a white cloth covering her face and she falls back on the bed. Struggling to move, she desperately tries to get back up and fight. But all of a sudden, she starts feeling this numbness traveling through her body beginning with her toes. And before she realized it, she was completely paralyzed. So what? I don't even understand how this being did this. If this was telepathic in the way that he took control of her, that's what it seems like happened, but... Literally, she went from, you know, throwing a pillow and starting to physically try to attack this gray being in her room. She then becomes completely paralyzed to the point where she can't do anything. Then all of a sudden, a bright blue beam starts shining through her bedroom window. And what's crazy is that she claims her window was closed and sealed shut with metal bars. So... If it's sealed shut, then how is this beam coming through the window? And then the next thing she knows, Linda is feeling her body being lifted off of the bed by an invisible force and traveling along the beam of light. The force then literally folds her body into a fetal position all the while she is completely paralyzed by this unknown, unseen force. She then floats right through the closed window and the metal bars into the crisp night air. Linda's body is just completely contorted by this unseen force. And the next thing she knows, she's now standing upright, floating above the city, moving as if by magic toward the Brooklyn Bridge. And the being who woke her was at her side, along with two others. And these shrunken creatures have come to be known as the grays panic is gripping her heart as she is ascending higher and higher into the air reaching 12 stories above the ground so even though her body's paralyzed she is still completely conscious during this whole process can you imagine what this would be like this would be if you're scared of heights this fucking sucks this is going to be terrifying because not only do you have these shrunken gray beings with you but you're also fucking flying high above the new york city skyline it's fucking terrifying all the while streams of tears are running down her cheeks as this invisible force moves her toward a humongous spaceship hovering in the sky up until this point this sounds like a fucking crazy sci-fi film or something sounds like some straight up like Hollywood shit, but this is her real experience. And the spaceship is clam shaped and covered in rotating lights, 
door slid open and a beam of light proceeds to pull Linda into the ship, sealing her away from the outside world and life as she knew it. Now, the spaceship hung around for a little while because it stuck around long enough to be seen by almost two dozen witnesses. So at least 24 people reported seeing this spaceship in the sky or this beam of light with Linda and these gray beings going into it. That's a lot of witnesses if you think about it. That is. That's a lot of eyes on this. And you can only imagine watching this helplessly, like watching some woman be pulled into this spaceship or into this beam of light. I think it looked more probably like a beam of light, you know, as opposed to, I probably couldn't make out the entire shape of the spaceship, but maybe they did because if they're able to describe what it looked like, you know, this clam shaped ship, then that's pretty crazy. I can't imagine watching somebody be pulled into a, a spaceship in the sky. That'd be very, very weird. And then as quickly as the spaceship appeared, it shot across the night sky almost instantly and disappeared. Meanwhile, aboard the ship, Linda peered around frantically while she was going in. And she noted the ordinary looking benches lining one wall before she was forced down a hallway. She was then pulled through sliding doors that opened suddenly and slammed shut behind her. And before she knew it, she was in a room alone with these alien creatures. Again, she observed the room, making a note of the strange-looking lights and buttons. And in the center, she saw a long, ominous table and knew something terrible was about to happen on it if she was placed there. And it was at this point that she was then lifted into the air again. And this whole time, she's like, I need to fight back. Like something bad is about to happen to me. They brought me into this room. There's essentially like a gurney, a medical gurney right there. She tries to fight back, but she realizes that she's still paralyzed. Although she still has her voice. So Linda's aboard the ship screaming as loudly and furiously as she possibly could. All the while these alien creatures are just making strange sounds that seem to be some type of, you know, their own language or something that they're speaking. And one of them covered Linda's mouth in order to stifle her screaming. And then she was placed on the table to be examined. And it was at this point aboard the ship that the alien beings then put a foreign object up into Linda's nose. And then as soon as the object goes into her nose, Linda is all of a sudden awoken in her bed around 5 a.m., waking up thinking that she had just had this awful nightmare. When in reality, it's what really happened. So she's all of a sudden back at home, back in her bed, and it seems like she had just been in this spaceship when she's just trying to gather what had just happened to her. Because the past two hours, she's just really got this foggy memory about what had just happened to her. She had no memory of being transported to the spaceship, but she remembered being aboard it. So she didn't remember how she got there. She just remembered being on board and seeing these little gray beings, you know, work doing things to her. And she remembered feeling paralyzed and helpless. 
which to me, this almost kind of sounds like sleep paralysis. Maybe like, I feel like somebody who experiences serious sleep paralysis might have a similar experience where, you know, you wake up and you're paralyzed and maybe you are either dreaming or you see these alien beings around you. Cause the fact that she's paralyzed is very interesting. They didn't restrain her with anything. She just was frozen. Like she couldn't move. So after her alleged abduction, Linda clung to the scraps of memory from that night. And she actually went to the doctor to get an x-ray of her face because I assume that she felt some sort of discomfort there. Like something was perhaps up in your nose, which fuck that would be awful. That's like one of the things I do not want to fuck with is like shit up your nose. Like even having to like get a swab up your nasal cavities, just not for me at all. Just sounds horrible. So she probably was feeling some discomfort wondering, you know, and she clearly had some memory that they put something up there. So she was like, I need to go see what the hell they put up there. So the doctor does an x-ray of her face and it reveals a small spiral shaped metal implant in her nose. And there's actually an x-ray image of this. And when you look at the x-ray image of her nasal cavity, you can clearly see that there is something definitely weird up there, like right next to the, I don't know if it's a bone, but it's like the, or I guess it is a bone in there. But there's clearly like what looks like a little metal, I don't know if it's metal, but it's like a little rod or something. It's like a little metal implant in there. And clearly there's no rhyme or reason or medical record or medical reason for why there would be a piece of metal lodged into her face. Makes no sense whatsoever. But then according to Linda, at some point this implant disappeared. So she went to the doctor and it's important to note that the doctor that took this x-ray image was a family member. I believe it was a, a family member of hers who took it. So I don't know. You can take that for what it is, but Apparently this implant that was in her nose that these great beings put in there at some point took it out because she claims to have been abducted a second time. And after the second time she claimed she was abducted, she went back to the doctor to take another look and there was nothing there. It was completely gone. There was only a small mass of cartilage which remained where it had been embedded in her face. So if that is all true, then there was something lodged in there. Something metal was lodged in her nose because there's actual physical proof based on the before and after images of her actual nasal cavity and where cartilage had been removed. So the next thing that Linda does is a little bit different probably than what most of us would do if you know we had something mysteriously lodged in her nose and didn't know what it was. But Linda decides to take her x-ray and her alien abduction story to Elliot Bud Hopkins, or just Bud Hopkins, who is a prominent ufologist who studies alien abductions. And he has been doing this for over 20 years. It's really been his life's work to interview alien abductees and document their stories. Now, Bud Hopkins' interest in alien abductions and the paranormal began in 1964. While outside Provincetown, he saw a dark elliptical object hovering in the air. And he knew that this unidentified flying object was otherworldly. So after this personal experience that he had, Bud Hopkins spent decades working tirelessly to legitimize cases of alien abductions. 
And this obsession did irreparable damage to his credibility and standing in the art community because he was actually a very, very well-known artist. He had a very impressive career. He had permanent collections at the Whitney and Guggenheim, which is a pretty big deal. So the fact that he was willing to put his whole career and reputation on the line to go into the study of ufology and alien abductions says a lot about somebody and you got to lend some credibility to them because I mean, people don't just do that. They don't just walk away from a successful career to pursue the paranormal or ufology, you know, especially back in, in those days, you know, a lot of people just would just scoff at you and think, Oh, that's just a bunch of bullshit, bunch of stories. Like, what are you doing? But no, he took this very, very seriously. So when Linda contacted him, with her strange x-ray and an even stranger story of alien abduction, it became his life's purpose. In 1996, Bud Hopkins published a book about Linda's abduction case called Witnessed, the true story of the Brooklyn Bridge UFO abductions, which is another name for this case. And the book was published as a factual account of real-life alien abduction, but it was structured like a mystery novel with fantastical twists and turns and the promise that more intrigue and factual evidence were mere pages away. And in the book, Bud concluded, quote, the truth that powerful non-human intelligences have been long at work on a covert agenda involving thousands upon thousands of traumatized men, women, and children. That it is happening is certain, but what it pretends no one can say. Very interesting statement to say at the very least. And we'll talk more about what he's talking about there later. But Linda's case of alien abduction is infamous and her story is literally a staple of alien abduction literature. And its notoriety is likely because unlike most accounts of unexplained phenomenon, Linda's abduction had a total of 23 witnesses, so almost two dozen on the public record who substantiated her claims. Now, some of these witnesses were friends or family members, but many others were random strangers who had no reason to support Linda's story other than a desire to tell the truth as they experienced it. In 1991, a security guard sent a letter to Bud Hopkins about Linda's abduction. He said him and his partner were on duty parked in a limo under the FDR bridge when they saw a beam of light in the sky. And this beam turned from a bright burnt orange to a milky blue. Within the beam, they said, was a woman with three unidentified creatures alongside her. And the beam was coming from a UFO lined with rotating green lights hovering in the sky. The officers named Dan and Richard tried to open the doors of the limo, but they were stuck. They watched helplessly as Linda was pulled into the UFO, and then in a flash, it was gone. And their description of the abduction closely matched Linda's. The men desperately wanted to contact Linda, but Bud Hopkins warned her not to talk to them. While he continued to correspond with Dan and Richard, he didn't want Linda to taint their accounts with details from her version. Now, some people are skeptical about Dan and Richard because Bud Hopkins actually never met them in person. Instead, they only communicated through letters and occasionally sent audio tapes to each other talking about the abduction. But what we're told is that Dan and Richard actually told Bud Hopkins that they were working as bodyguards for a well-respected United Nations diplomat who was visiting New York. Weeks after receiving the first letter, a second letter claimed this diplomat also witnessed Linda's abduction and was obviously very disturbed by what he saw that night. Because that would be a pretty fucking big deal. I mean, 
23 witnesses that saw Linda being abducted. That's a lot of people. And that's one of the reasons why this case is so you know infamous is because the amount of people that claim they witnessed her being abducted, which is hard to hard to come by in most alien abduction stories. Usually there's no witnesses or it's, you know, only the people that were involved, you know, somebody that was already with that person when they were abducted, like Travis Walton, for example, you know, it was the other people that were, he was working with that actually witnessed him be abducted. But I don't know. It's, it's always a, it's always a tough one when you think about, you know, how much validity is there to those witnesses? Yeah. Cause Betty and Barney Hill's story. I mean, they didn't have wit- any witnesses from what I understood from it. So the fact there are so many witnesses on this night when they saw Linda being, you know, pulled into the spacecraft is pretty crazy and how they were able to recall those uh, three alien looking human beings with her as well. I mean, seems like they were close enough to really, you know, see what was going on and, I can only imagine like once they realized that it was this something like this was actually happening, like the panic that they couldn't do anything. I mean, what are you just going to call nine one one and let them know you're seeing an alien abduction? You know, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what you do in that situation like that. That's that's pretty crazy because, yeah, that's you brought up a great point, though, is that they they must have been close enough that they were actually able to make out, you know, Linda, a woman was being abducted by these three unknown beings that were floating through the air because you know, the other description is she was 12 stories above. So that's pretty high, but I guess 12 stories, you can still make out pretty clearly, you know, somebody being abducted. So yeah, they were pretty close to it. So it makes sense that, you know, people would see it. And again, this is in Manhattan, New York. So I'm honestly surprised that not more people saw this because it's such a big city. And even in the middle of the night, I mean, it's a city that never sleeps. So, only 23 people like i don't know i think that's weird that's a great point because especially how that spacecraft had a bright beam of light just shooting out of it like how did nobody who were on the streets at the time like see something like that because that's totally unusual i mean i can't think of one time i've looked up in the sky and i've seen a light something that bright before or anything close to it have you no not really (laughs) no i mean other than like lightning or something like that. But you know, even with lightning, I mean how bright lightning is a lot more than 23 people are going to see lightning. See, here's my thing is that even nowadays we see it all the time where people will send us videos, be like, Hey guys, check this out there. Look at this bright light in the sky. And like oftentimes it's uh, like a transformer at a power plant uh, that blows up and it creates this big blue ball of light wow. in the sky. And you would think that more people would see that because when something like this happens in like a large city, I mean, it goes viral online and people Mm -hmm. capture it and you know, tons and tons of people attest to have, Oh my God, I saw the same thing. I was wondering what it was. So to me, I'm like, if this was that fucking crazy, why did not more people see it? And you know, why didn't this really like make the news the next day or something crazy like that? Cause like, come on, like if you're seeing, a woman being abducted from her apartment flying through the fucking sky with three aliens. You would think that somebody, you know, might've captured a picture of it or, you know, 
would have gone to the news the next day and be like, you guys hear about this? You got any info on it? But I don't know. Maybe not. The only thing I can think of is that, you know, the extraterrestrials technology is just on a whole nother level. I mean, they were able to levitate Linda out of her own house, you know, through a narrow opening in the window. So to me, I feel like their technology must be on some some other level that allows their craft and allows their, you know, bubble around their spacecraft to maybe have some type of camouflage or something that can limit the amount of exposure to the public or maybe they allow some people to see them while they don't allow others. I don't know. Do you, do you kind of get that too? Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be something because otherwise this doesn't make any sense to me because I mean, this is Manhattan, New York and like, there's so many people there and there's people up all night. Like even 20, like 23 people is a lot for, for witnessing an an abduction. But I don't know. I feel like it would have been way, way more unless, you know, I guess we don't really know the exact size of it. It said, said humongous so that i assume that's pretty fucking big so i would imagine that this would be really fucking bright i mean a laser beam like that i mean i just feel like way more people would have fucking heard about this but i don't know maybe not so apparently despite these bodyguards working high level security for you know a diplomat they were extremely traumatized by what they witnessed that night and what linda went through being dragged out of her apartment and so much so that they suffered anxiety, guilt and delusional thoughts for years afterwards. And when Linda refused to talk to these guys, they started stalking her. Apparently they parked outside her apartment and would spend hours watching the building. And these two men became so erratic that they convinced themselves that Linda had special powers. They thought she might've been a part of the abduction plan and held some secret knowledge, which to me, it goes back to your thought that maybe these alien beings, because we know that they have telepathic abilities. So is it possible that these alien beings, because they are so far more advanced than we are in consciousness and, and abilities that they are able to sense anybody that is observing them. And maybe they're able to fuck with those people's brains and perhaps give them anxiety, fear, and delusional thoughts in order to, you know, sort of, you know, wipe their memories, uh, so to speak, or to confuse them about what they were seeing. So I think that's definitely a possibility. As the men's paranoia grew, they toyed with the idea that maybe Linda was an alien herself. Other times, the men seemed to be fueled by their guilt that they couldn't protect her from the abduction. And they were convinced that Linda was in danger and needed their help. But obviously, their grip on reality is slipping at this point. Dan actually sent another letter to Bud Hopkins and claimed that him and Richard and their diplomat had been abducted that night alongside Linda. And he went on to tell Bud Hopkins that the alien life forms communicated telepathically. They told him Linda was, quote, Lady of the Sands. Then he said Linda held up a dead fish and showed it to the three men. And she said, quote, look and see what you have done. Sounds like these men are just fucking losing their minds because this makes no fucking sense at all. And I think to speak to my last point, that's exactly what was happening. These alien beings are totally fucking with their, their minds, even making them think that they're being abducted. And, you know, Linda is the lady of the sands and all this other crazy shit. So it seems to me that, something is clearly affecting them. 
And I get where these guys are coming from because if I knew somebody who got flown up into a spacecraft, abducted, and then they ended up coming back and then seeing them in person again, I would be like, I want to know what they know. You know, I'm sure they were wanting to pick her brain and like see exactly what happened and, you know, kind of go that route. So, well, they thought she had secret knowledge of some sort because they're like, how the fuck did she go? Like they probably thought she was dead, like she was gone after watching her go into that spacecraft. So to then hear that she's still alive, you know, from Bud Hopkins and, you know, clearly they wanted to talk to her because they wanted to know what the fuck happened and who yeah. are you? So I'm sure they're super confused that Linda is now back all of a sudden. But the next thing that happened was Bud Hopkins arranged for Linda to be put under hypnosis in order to try and recover memories from her alleged abduction, which hypnosis regressive hypnosis is a very common uh, actual tool that is used in order to help people recall, you know, traumatic memories or things that they may have forgotten about. And in a lot of cases, alien abductions, I mean, Betty and Barney Hill, classic example of hypnosis. I mean, even Travis Walton, pretty much every alien abduction story, a lot of those details that we get from their alleged abduction actually come from their hypnosis sessions. And hypnosis is just one of those fucking wild trippy things that is a hundred percent real. And which is just wild to think about. If you've ever been hypnotized before, it's a fucking crazy experience. I've been semi hypnotized at a fucking Vegas show. (laughs) That was fucking trippy as hell. If you ever go to Vegas, I highly recommend going and seeing one of the hypnotist shows because it is fucking crazy. If, If that's all legit, then the abilities that they have to put you in this fucking trance or this other state of consciousness is just totally fucking wild, man. It really is. And fuck the last time I went to one, my dumb ass took like 40 milligrams of edibles. <laughs> there you go. Holy dude. shit, dude. I, I was tripping hard, <laughs> man. Like that was like another level. Like, cause I wasn't. So like, if you've ever been to a Vegas hypnotist show or if you haven't been, what they do is they pull people from the audience, just random people supposedly from the audience and the hypnotist brings them onto the stage and he works through until he finds the ones that he wants to hypnotize. And then, he hypnotizes them in front of everybody. But all the while, if you actually pay attention to what he's telling you to do, you can be hypnotized in the fucking crowd just watching. It's the weirdest fucking thing and how it works. And holy shit, I'll never forget that time. I, I was like trying so hard not to like fall completely into this weird trance state. It's it's really bizarre. Highly recommend. Go, go see him. I can't show. wait, dude. I can't wait. So under hypnosis, Linda repeats some of the same details described by Dan. And after her session, Linda was filmed as Dan's letter was read to her. And the video clearly shows her complete shock at the similarities between her and Dan's accounts. So this is when things get just even weirder. On April 29, 1991, Dan and Richard kidnapped Linda in broad daylight. They waited outside her apartment for her to come out. And once outside, they wrapped her in a blanket and forced her into their car. And for the next three hours, they kept Linda in the car and demanded to know why she had been abducted and how she was involved. And she repeatedly told them she didn't know and that she had nothing to do with her abduction. Dan kidnapped her a second time on his own and he picked her up off of the street and took her to a safe house. He then subjected her to more intense questioning than before 
and Dan may have even planned to rape Linda at the house, but Richard arrived in time to intervene. This is very interesting because why? Why are Dan and Richard so dead set on trying to figure out what happened to Linda? I mean, and I think it comes back to the fact that they are working for this UN diplomat and perhaps there's somebody at the UN or some government official or even the diplomat himself who's like, find out what she knows at, you know, at whatever cost, like for whatever reason they to either affirm what they had seen, or maybe they thought she was somehow like tied into it. I think that's the main thing is they thought she was either an alien, like disguised as a woman, or she was somehow like looped into whatever was going on in the spacecraft. I don't know. It's, it's very weird that they then went to such great lengths to get her, you know, alone to interrogate her seemingly. But over time, 21 more witnesses to Linda's abduction would eventually come forward. One by one, they contacted Bud Hopkins and told him their account of what happened that night. And the stories of these strangers who had no connection to Linda or to each other were ominously similar. The night Linda was abducted, a small traffic jam occurred nearby. One of the vehicles was reportedly Dan and Richard in the limo with their VIP passenger, a UN diplomat. Other high-level officials were also stuck in the traffic jam and allegedly witnessed the abduction. They included two United States government officials and two foreign statesmen along with their bodyguards. A woman named Janet Kimball was driving along the Brooklyn Bridge when her car suddenly stopped. Other cars around her were stopped too. The confused and angry crowd started shouting and honking their horns. That was when Janet noticed the beam of light and she looked up at the sky and saw the gigantic spaceship hovering above. And at first, Janet and several other witnesses thought this was a staged stunt to film a scene in a sci-fi movie. I mean, I think that's what probably most people would think is like, this can't be real. But after a few moments examining the ship and seeing Linda being carried through the beam of light in the night sky, Janet realized what she was seeing was really happening. A woman was being abducted by an alien spaceship. Now, Bud Hopkins corresponded with Janet through letters and phone calls and even interviewed her in person. However, he didn't disclose the details provided by each witness as they emerged. Instead, he compiled them quietly to maintain the integrity of his investigation. What Bud Hopkins eventually found out, though, was that the mysterious third witness, who was with Dan and Richard, was former Secretary General of the United Nations, Javier Perez de Sueller. And he was thrilled. Bud Hopkins hoped a credible witness like this Secretary General of the United Nations would legitimize the case by speaking publicly about what he saw that night. Apparently, Bud Hopkins and Javier allegedly wrote several letters to each other. They even met in person once, he claims, but the diplomat insisted he must be kept out of it. Meanwhile, Richard continued to confuse Bud's investigation by piling on increasingly outlandish claims. He said that since his childhood, him and Linda had been abducted together many times. And over the years, they developed a romantic relationship, one that only existed when they were aboard the alien ships. He was also insistent that he was the birth father of Linda's youngest child. 
this is fucking getting just crazier and crazier and weirder and weirder because it's now seeming to what I'm gathering in case you're confused is that these two individuals, Dan and Richard are working for the government. And if, you know, assuming that this is all true and there was this huge sighting that night and some, and Linda was abducted, that this is their attempt to cover up as well as spread disinformation out to everybody involved to try to confuse everybody because a, they don't want people to know that, you know, this happened at all, that there was an alien abduction or dun 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 the government was somehow involved with what happened that night, which is another possibility. And we'll talk about that more here in a minute, but apparently while hypnotized, Linda recounted many of the same details as Richard. Again, her shocked reaction was videotaped while Richard's letter describing their secret relationship was read. She doesn't deny that they had a sexual relationship while aboard spaceships, but Linda has not verified that Richard fathered any of her children. And to complicate the case more, Several witnesses who initially came forward later refused to be interviewed, and some are still unidentified. It seems to me that there's a lot of fuckery happening here because clearly they're trying to confuse everybody, and perhaps people that are coming forward weren't really witnesses to it. And it's almost like they're trying to completely cover it up and make it make everybody all of a sudden be like, Did we really see this at all? And like Linda's changing her story and now saying that Richard somehow she's involved with Richard. It's almost like somebody's fucking playing games with their heads here because it's, this is just all getting really confusing. Despite all of this though, Linda continued doing hypnosis sessions and she also continued to experience recovered memories and add more details to her story. For instance, she believed that two months before her first abduction, her son was abducted by the same beings. She also insisted that the spaceship that they had abducted her in crash landed in the East river. Linda's story went on to be featured in multiple issues of the UFO skeptics newsletter run by Philip class, which it's kind of easy to see why. I mean, this is a giant confusing mess, you know, with things changing constantly. So to a skeptic, I'm sure they're just like, these people are all fucking crazy. They don't know what the fuck they saw. This is just a giant hoax. Now, Philip class, who was a former senior editor for the aviation week and space technology magazine believed alien life forms could exist and supported scientific investigations into their discovery. But he has always been highly skeptical of alien abduction cases, especially Linda's case. He believes that people who claimed who have been abducted by aliens and those who have claimed to have witnessed the abductions were either mentally unstable or seeking attention or financial gain. In his newsletter, Philip Class highlighted the inconsistencies in Linda's abduction story and criticized Bud Hopkins' investigation of the case. Another individual who was initially skeptical was Greg Sandow, who was a New York journalist who at first really did not believe Linda's abduction story, nor believe any of the witnesses who came forward to back up her claims. But later on, he went on to say, quote, you can't really believe them. On the other hand, the more I looked into it, it's a hoax of unimaginable complexity because of the number of people that had to be involved. Skeptics continued to question the validity of Linda's abduction and the eyewitness accounts. They continue to criticize Bud Hopkins' research and insist the story is implausible, but they do not explain how and why so many witnesses who didn't know Linda 
for each other kept coming forward with the same story to tell. Linda later said, quote, if I was hallucinating, then the witnesses saw my hallucination. That sounds crazier than the whole abduction phenomenon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess logically that makes sense. Like, obviously you can't see somebody else's hallucination, but I don't know. It, it's kind of a wacky thing to say, I feel like. But despite all of the public scrutiny, skepticism, and criticism that Bud Hopkins got for his research into Linda's case, he became kind of a caregiver to Linda and other alien abductees. He actually went on to host a small support group from his art studio and encouraged Linda to attend. And after Linda became a regular in the group, she said, I didn't know what to expect, but they were people just like me. I made friends and they pulled me through. So I assume this was a bunch of alien abductee individuals who were all meeting up at Bud Hopkins art studio and probably sharing stories. And I mean, again, there's a lot of similarities between alien abduction stories. So is that just all coincidence or is there some sort of connection there? Because at the end of the day, when you look at this whole story as a whole, you either come up with Linda was really abducted by aliens from outer space or you know, is there a more plausible, logical explanation for her story? What's interesting to note, though, is that in 1996, a Newsweek poll found that 48% of Americans believed in UFOs and up to 29% believed humans have come into contact with an alien species. And in over 20 years, these numbers have barely budged. In 2019, Insider polled over 1,000 Americans and found that one in five still believe aliens have visited Earth. Another poll was taken the same year that found that almost half of Americans believe in the existence of UFOs. UFOlogists have gone on to study and write about Linda's case exhaustively, but it still continues to be widely scrutinized. According to experts, claims of alien abductions take place at all hours of the day and night, and they've been reported by people living across the globe. If there is an alien life form pulling unsuspecting humans into spaceships, they don't seem to discriminate. All people, regardless of socioeconomic status, race, age, gender, sexual affiliation, or religion, seem to be at risk. A poll of 5,947 respondents to quantify the phenomenon of alien abduction revealed five key symptoms of a valid alien abduction. Abductees wake up from a sound sleep, sensing the presence of an unseen being, only to discover that they are paralyzed. They feel something lifting them into the air and flying. They see balls of light. They report missing large chunks of time. After the experience, they find unexplained marks, bruises, and scars on their body. So these are all things that these alien abductees have in common. The poll concluded that as many as 560,000 Americans might be victims of alien abductions. That's a, that's a lot of fucking people. And like Linda... Many abductees report feeling paralyzed before being lifted through the air by an invisible force. Many even say that they floated right through windows or walls, just like Linda. And when abductees have been asked to draw their captors, the resulting images are eerily similar. Often, the aliens are smaller beings than humans, grayish in color and bald. They have disproportionately large eyes and heads compared to their small bodies. According to reports, these great creatures examine and test their human abductees. They focus on reproductive organs and remove sperm and eggs from their specimens. 
and apparently a significant number of abductees become dedicated to environmentalism and treating the earth better after their abductions. Apparently, the aliens may transmit warnings about the state of the planet. Now, this is very interesting considering that a professor at Temple University named David M. Jacobs, who actually taught the world's first fully accredited college course on UFOs and abductions. Man, I would have loved to take that college course, right? Yeah, that would have been so cool. That would have been a really cool course. But (laughs) cool, but frightening at the same time because Professor Jacobs believes these aliens are not benevolent creatures who are visiting Earth on a harmless fact-finding missions. Instead, he thinks they want to overtake the human race and are actively working toward creating a super race of an alien-human hybrid. Which, fuck. That doesn't sound good to me. I mean, essentially they want to take all the best qualities from Homo sapiens, fuse it with their DNA, and create this hybrid alien being, I guess, and then take take us over and enslave us. Sounds like fucking good old time. (laughs) Jeez. If 2020 couldn't get any worse, here's one way it could get worse. (laughs) We could be fucking enslaved by hybrid alien beings. That'd be great. But hey, at least we know that aliens are real, right? If our little, you know, our gray alien overlords came forward, that'd be kind of fucking interesting. Experts like Bud Hopkins and Professor Jacobs agree that there are far too many accounts of alien abductions from intelligent and well-respected people for it to be completely untrue. And I got to say, I, I kind of agree with this because I think, you know, out of all of the fucking people that claim to have been abducted, you got to believe at least one is fucking true, right? Like, right. It'd be ignorant. I feel like to just say it's all fucking bullshit for sure. So I think there's definitely some truth to it for sure. And short of a mass hallucination experienced by thousands of people, they have concluded that some outside force is the cause. Now, an individual named John Edward Mack, who was a Pulitzer Prize winning biographer and psychiatrist at Harvard Medical School, took an interest in the sheer number of supposed cases of alien abductions and decided to try and figure out what was actually going on. And apparently he spent years studying these accounts to find a plausible explanation, but instead of proving them to be false, he concluded that these abductees were telling the truth about what had happened to them. He found them to be mentally sound, not at all delusional, and consistent in their stories. John Mack believed what these people experienced was not of this world, and he theorized that it could be forces or life forms from outer space or from another dimension. What the abductees remember could have been real experiences or they could have been implanted memories. That's another fucking trippy thing to think about is implanted memories. So nothing physically ever happens to you, but yet you are implanted with a memory, which is fucking crazy technology to do that because you got to fucking know how consciousness works which we don't even understand consciousness at all right now. It's a complete mystery to scientists. We don't know why we dream, you know, why we have this conscious reality at all. This is all a complete mystery to us. So this idea of implanted memories is some advanced shit for sure. And what confuses me with that is let's say in Linda's case, it was an implanted memory. Then how did she get that metal object lodged in her nose? And she saw that when she was back on earth. I mean, yeah, it just, I can't figure that out. Yeah. That's an, just an implant. That's not an implanted memory. That's a fucking that's real, a real deal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, 
I don't think he's uh, John Max t- necessarily talking about Linda's case specifically here. I think he's just talking about his studies of alien abductees in general, but that's a good point that clearly this wasn't an, an implanted memory for Linda because there was clearly something physical implanted in her nose at one point. But after John Mack came out with this revelation, it had severe consequences for him as he was criticized by his peers and outcasted from the academic community as usually happens to, you know, scientists that are willing to step outside the box and consider the paranormal to be real. I mean, it happens a lot, unfortunately. Do you think they get that ridicule because alien abductions are not something that the government wants them to research or question? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think a lot of it has to do with the government's control over the academic community for one is that a lot of these colleges, you know, have oversight from higher levels of government. So they obviously want to make sure that, you know, any any truth surrounding this subject is not being actually given out to the public until they want to, you know, give the truth, if you call it that, to the public in regards to the, you know, extraterrestrials or aliens or alien abductions for that case. So John Mack is just one in a long line of highly respected and intelligent people who have studied alien abductions and through intensive research have become convinced of their validity. In addition to John Mack, there's been a ton of other really smart individuals that have come forward in support of research into alien abductions. One particular guy is David E. Pritchard, who is a physicist in Adams Optics at MIT, and he actually convinced MIT to host an unconventional alien abduction conference there actually another guy is jeffrey rediger who was a psychiatrist at a hospital affiliated with harvard medical school and had a master of divinity he claimed that while on a trip to brazil he saw and experienced unexplained oddities he saw surgeries take place without instruments and watched in horror his own chest was even sliced open by an invisible instrument only to heal moments later that's fucking insane and this is a guy went to Harvard medical school. So really smart, intelligent individuals are experiencing paranormal activity, alien abductions, and clearly believe there is some validity to it. But at the end of the day, we'll likely never know as it is so often with any of these alien abduction stories, whether or not if Linda was really abducted from her apartment by a beam of light and lifted into a hovering UFO in the night sky above New York city, but it's clearly a possibility because clearly with how big our universe is, there absolutely has to be intelligent life out there, right? I mean, it's just too big for there not to be. So with that being said, I think it's pretty clear that we are likely not alone. And in final response to those who question her story or her sanity, Linda has said, quote, I wish I was crazy because there's a treatment for that. Damn, that's a fucking, that's a statement right there. That is. That's a confident statement. Now that is Linda's alien abduction story. It's very wild. It's very fucking weird. It's kind of confusing, but I wanted to end this episode by talking a little bit more about these grays because with Every single one of these alien abduction stories, it seems like there is always some reporting of these gray alien 
beings. So clearly there's something to that. I mean, at least in my opinion, I believe there is some definite validity and evidence that if there is an alien species that is visiting earth or somehow involved in abducting humans, it's definitely these gray beings because you can go as far back as to the 1947 Roswell UFO incident, which really kicked off the whole UFO phenomenon in the first place where not only were flying saucers recovered, but also alien bodies were recovered. And according to witnesses and people that have been involved with the Roswell UFO incident, the bodies that were recovered resemble spindly gray beings of some sort. Not only that, like we've talked about in a previous episode, Betty and Barney Hill, the beings that they reported seeing, much like these gray alien beings. And same thing with Travis Walton. He experienced short beings with disproportionate heads, like similar eyes, similar features as well. I'm not exactly sure if it was the grays, but it seemed like it was something really close. Right. It was definitely, I believe, some sort of gray alien now there's different types of them which we'll talk about in a sec but one of the other people i wanted to just briefly mention in regards to gray aliens and there being evidence for it is a man named bob lazar now the reason i wanted to bring up bob lazar is because bob lazar came forward in 1989 and publicly made the world aware of area 51 the top secret military base where many people believe the government has been keeping alien bodies potentially even living aliens and their spacecraft as well. And Bob claimed to work at a branch of Area 51 known as S4. And while working in this top secret position, he was actually reverse engineering the propulsion system powering one of nine flying saucers they kept on the base. And according to Bob Lazar, he was quoted as saying, there was some paperwork that indicated that this UFO was from the Zeta Reticuli star system. And how they obtained that, I haven't the slightest idea. It wasn't just from the Zeta Reticuli star system. It was what they called ZR3. It was a third planet in that star system. There was no other information about it other than that's where supposedly this craft came from. Now, why am I bringing up this statement from Bob Lazar? Well, according to many people out there that have any sort of knowledge of this gray alien race, It is believed that they originate or at least one of the main species of gray aliens originates from the Zeta Reticuli star system. So it's interesting that Bob Lazar, who I think is a very, very credible individual in the UFO community. And I mean, he doesn't really have anything to gain from saying these things. But the fact that according to him, the spacecraft he was actually working at at Area 51 was from this star system who's piloting these flying saucers from this fucking Zeta Reticuli star system, the grays. So there's your fucking evidence right there. The grays are here. (laughs) And that matches up exactly with Betty Hill's story and how she was able to recall and draw the map of the Zeta, uh, Zeta Reticuli star system. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing I wanted to say too about the Betty and Barney Hill. I know when we covered it, I was definitely probably more skeptical than I should have been. And the the more I've researched not only that case, but looked into, you know, gray aliens and, you know, what other 
different witnesses and, and insiders say about this alien species, I definitely find it a lot more interesting and the Hill story a lot more credible that they were able to essentially draw out, you know, Betty was able to draw out the actual constellation or star map rather of the Zeta Reticuli system. Cause how the hell would she have known that? That's, that's crazy. And again, she didn't know she was drawing that when she drew it, but it was later interpreted as the Zeta Reticuli system, which, and when you look at them, I mean, they match up like perfectly. So that's very interesting. So Again, I take back my skepticism a bit on the Betty and Barney Hill. I think there's definitely I, I something do too there on that. Yeah, for sure. I think it was a little hard on them. I was, yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, sure. it, it's hard because it's like there's no witnesses and you yeah. know, it's all, it's their word or not. But again, why would they have any reason to lie about any of that? What and, do they have to gain? And especially the, the hypnosis tapes. I mean, yeah, that, that was huge too. Yeah. That was definitely huge. So the gray aliens are the ones that most of us think of when we think of alien it's always that typical you know almond shaped eyes disproportionate head kind of spindly bodies i mean it's like look at my computer alien wear the fucking actual logo for alien (laughs) wear is based on a fucking gray alien i mean that's what it's based off of is that description and it's probably because it it's one of the most common species actually seen by humans on earth is is these gray beings According to a lot of different people, there's actually different types of grays that are visiting Earth. There's some that seem to be the leaders and the most intelligent of the two species. They're approximately five to eight feet tall, have large heads, large dark eyes, long skinny fingers, arms, and legs. They have a small mouth, small ear holes, and have been reported to have two small nostrils. They are hairless and they seem to communicate through telepathy with each other as well as humans. So these are known as the tall grays. The second are worker grays that have been cloned to do the bidding of the larger grays. They're much smaller than the other grays at around three and a half to four and a half feet tall. They have stubbier fingers, arms, and legs, but they are very similar in other ways to the tall grays. They also don't seem to be as intelligent as the taller grays and do much of the grunt work during probing and abductions while the taller grays work on more scientific areas like collecting sperm and egg samples and working on genetic materials. Other alien researchers have assumed that there may be other types of grays out there with many names. So much like there's different races of humans, there are also different races of these aliens out there, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, you would think that, you know, life here on earth would be mimicked in some way, shape or form in some other star system. And perhaps they just look physically different than us. But at the end of the day, it's, it's the very much the same system that they have going on. There's just, you know, different subspecies or one species with different races within it. So it's kind of interesting that, you know, a lot of people believe there's different races of gray aliens kind of makes sense. But the biggest question is if gray aliens are real and they are in fact coming to earth and abducting people, why are they doing this? Well, there's a couple different theories as to why they're in our solar system Again, we talked about how the grays came from the Zeta Reticuli 1 and 2, which is a binary star system visible from the southern hemisphere, approximately 38 light years away. That's a long fucking ways away, man. That just tells you that if this is real, then their technology is beyond anything we can imagine if they're able to travel that far. I mean, clearly they have some sort of anti-gravity craft or something. They're able to manipulate space-time because that's a long ways to travel 
The star system consists of two stars, one slightly smaller than our own sun in the Milky Way, and the other almost the same mass as our sun. And both stars are much older than our own sun at around 8 billion years old and dying, while our sun is in the middle of its age at 4.5 billion years old. Now with the Gray's sun dying and the resources on their planet depleted, they have moved on looking at other planets to inhabit. The Greys have also been cloning themselves for generations, which has damaged the genetic makeup of their DNA. And in order to fix the DNA issues, they have been doing experiments on humans by trying to fill in the gaps of the damaged DNA with healthy human DNA. Again, this is just one theory. But this is one of the reasons they abduct humans and do experiments on them. Many people who have been abducted have reported having sperm taken from them as well as eggs from women. It's also believed that they have thousands of alien-human hybrids from these abductions that they watch closely to see if they have succeeded in their mission of fixing their dying race. Now, this is very interesting, and I know I've talked about this a bit on my other podcast, the Mile Higher Podcast, which if you haven't checked that out, highly recommend. We talked about the RH negative blood type, because if you know anything about RH negative, that blood type, we do not know the origin of it. So a lot of people... We believe this is an extraterrestrial origin to this blood type. So perhaps the people that have this RH negative blood have had their genetic makeup somehow altered or changed by this gray alien species. What's also interesting is that many believe that they have also had contact with high government officials in the past and present. Some good and some bad, such as what went down in Roswell and Area 51. This is interesting, especially with Linda's story, because clearly I think there's a possibility that the government may have known about this alien abduction, possibly, because the whole idea of, you know, these two government security guards all of a sudden trying to abduct Linda, trying to confuse her or extract information from her makes me think that there's some sort of government involvement here. And if this is true, then maybe you know aliens or these greys specifically are either working for you know the governments of the world or you know the governments of the world control them and are using them it's very interesting to consider and when considering that thought it just takes me back to the betty and barney hill story on how they both claimed that they did see like what appeared to be human beings on that spacecraft along with those aliens so Kind of makes me think on that story that maybe those humans that were on board, although they didn't say anything to Betty and Barney, what if they were working for, you know, uh, a government of some sort here on Earth and was kind of in in a a partnership, so to speak, with them? Yeah, on that note, I've got some shit that'll blow your mind here in a second. (laughs) Because, yeah, that's an absolutely good point that they did see those human looking beings there alongside the greys. So the idea that the two are working together is is really making me think that it's very frightening to think about because maybe the, you know, elites or government are somehow involved with this alien species and they just don't want us to know about it. But some even believe that when we went to the moon, the aliens basically chased us off and told us not to return because they have bases on the moon where they do experiments and use a sort of a jumping off place when coming and going to earth which a lot of people believe this. Honestly, I'm like, maybe it's, it's very possible. I mean, I believe that they've definitely been to the moon. There's a lot of, there's a lot of evidence surrounding that, uh, which we can maybe dive into in a future episode, but 
it's definitely a possibility, a possibility for yeah. sure. Others believe that they have been controlling civilizations for centuries by acting as gods, giving out technology and using plain old fear. Some say that they even grow humans that can be controlled and place them in high offices to keep us obedient. Now we're getting very uh, conspiracy minded there. And again, another possibility. I mean, one of the biggest conspiracy theorists out there, David Icke has even alleged that abductions are strictly linked with military genetic experiments conducted by alien beings operating together with various terrestrial army forces. So again, that goes back to the point that they're working for the military or some other government entities uh, in order to, you know, perform genetic experiments on humans for some reason. Or maybe like another thought is maybe they're trying to use alien DNA and human DNA to create some sort of super soldier or something like that, which is fucking crazy to think about. Now, the last two people we're going to talk about are very, very, very smart individuals, very, very well versed in different uh, studies, especially science. The first person we're going to talk about is Jacques Vallée, and he is uh, a very smart individual. He's had many startups in space development, medical equipment, and information management. He's earned a bachelor's degree in mathematics, a master's degree in astrophysics, and a PhD in computer science. Can't imagine the fucking schoolwork for that shit. <laughs> right? Holy shit. That's a lot of schooling. So clearly a very, very smart intellectual human for sure. Now, he has written a number of books, done a ton of research about UFOs and ufology, alien abductions. And in one of his books that he wrote called Forbidden Science, Volume 4, there's a, a, a passage in there that actually reads, quote, and this is coming from Dr. Uh, Valet himself. He said, I have secured a document confirming that the CIA simulated UFO abductions in Latin America, specifically Brazil and Argentina, as psychological warfare experiments. He secured a document. So clearly some sort of declassified, I don't know if it was declassified or not, but leaked document proving that our own central intelligence agency from the United States government was at one point simulating UFO abductions in Latin America, which when you think about that, it makes a lot of sense that, I mean, we know that the CIA has done a lot of fucking crazy shit over the years. They've studied all sorts of crazy things. So I would not put it past them that perhaps some of these alien abduction experiences are actually not even maybe conducted by aliens at all, but just conducted by a covert military CIA operation by our own government simulating an alien abduction. That's fucking crazy to wrap your head around. It is. And he has seen proof of this. So you take a extremely smart individual like Dr. Valet's word for this. I think you kind of have to a little bit. You got to take some, there's definitely some seriousness to this. Like, damn, could the CIA be conducting some of these alien abductions that people are experiencing? It's very, very possible. Now, the last individual I wanted to bring up was young Hai Chi, who's an instructor at the university of Oxford in England, who also believes that alien abductions are real. What's interesting about professor Chi is that he took all of the research and data that David Jacobs had actually gathered over the course of his career. And he took a look at it and what he sort of 
came up with as his conclusion was that the number of abductees, which was clearly growing, could be due to an increase in atmospheric greenhouse gases. He said that the abduction experiment is not responsible for global warming. Rather, it's a reaction to it that perhaps these aliens are producing hybrids that can better withstand the rigors of a toastier planet. By producing a new model of Homo sapiens, this project would eliminate the need for difficult climate accords or elaborate geoengineering projects. It would also help the aliens themselves, who are said to be living among us by preserving the part of their DNA that's carried by the temperature-tolerant hybrids. This is very interesting to think about from this point of view, because with global warming and everything, perhaps the reason there's an uptick in alien abductions is that they are trying to create as many human alien hybrids as possible before things get really bad or global warming gets completely out of control. But I don't know, man. So it's, it's kind of one of two ways. You either think that the aliens are here to somehow help us and help us evolve, or they're here to try and sort of take advantage of us and then take us over. So I don't know at the end of the day, I mean, who really knows which way it is. I mean, it seems like it could go either way, honestly. I mean, what do you think? It's interesting if one of their motives is because of the global warming crisis here on earth and how they want to, you know, do some genetic engineering with our human race and create one of their own because I mean, it's not like they can just replace all of us humans on earth. So technically they're, they're not really going to help save us from, you know, completely dying out. I mean, cause the human race, there's just billion, billions of us here on the earth and you know, they can't just swap us out with one of their new alien, you know? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really make a lot yeah. of sense. Like from a logical standpoint that that's going to really help us. I mean, at, from everything that I've gathered and, and research is that I don't necessarily think that they are they are here for good reasons. Unfortunately, I think that if they are really here, they're here doing some fuckery on us. And, you know, they are, are potentially working for the global elite or somehow tied into the government. I mean, the conspiracy runs deep when you look at the whole gray alien agenda. But again, we'll, we'll save going into that for another day. Cause there's a whole lot more we could go into about that. Actually, if you want to know more about that, we our last episode on or i guess two weeks ago we did an episode on different alien races that may be in contact with earth on mile higher podcast so again if you want to check that out we'll link that below it does make me think that the aliens could be working with the government because since they are it kind of makes sense why they're so distanced with the human race and how not everyone has encountered a ufo before and to me, I feel like if they were really trying to help our human race out and change things for the better for us, that they would be around a lot more often, like more and more people would have experiences with them and their presence would be known here on earth. But the fact that the government continues to make the alien you know, species basically kind of a very secretive topic is very concerning for me, you know, because if they really are here to help, then why can't the government just let them help us and use their technology that they have to maybe reverse the effects that the human population has caused on, on this planet? Yeah, I think that's what we all wish would happen. But clearly I think that's probably the biggest reason for why if aliens really are visiting us and it is these grays that they are unfortunately on, on the dark side, you know, that they're somehow looped in with, 
you know, a, a negative agenda or perhaps the government is exploiting them and using them for their own purposes or vice versa. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that I think, I mean, again, everybody interprets this differently and everybody has their opinion on, you know, the gray aliens and everything else. And, and maybe this is the first time you're ever even hearing about this and you're like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? This is some crazy <laughs> ass shit. And if that's the case, then I, I, uh, would definitely uh, advise you to look a little bit deeper into this because it, the fact that there is so much information surrounding this and it's all pretty consistent as far as what people have observed and specifically in alien abduction stories that people all seem to encounter these gray beings in almost every instance is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty crazy and just shows you that there's clearly a connection with these alien abduction stories and that, likely, you know, there's, there's a lot of validity to them. And despite, you know, how much skepticism people have about it at the end of the day, I mean, we just really don't know, but I I think that the fact there, there is so many cases of this that, I mean, they can't all be fake, right? They can't all be bullshit. So yeah, I, I think there's a real possibility. This is a absolutely real worldwide phenomenon we're, you know, experiencing. I mean, I'm not experiencing yet, but <laughs> maybe one day. Yeah. But yeah. If any of you have ever had an alien abduction experience, definitely let us know. Cause I'm curious to see, you know, if you connect with any of these stories we've talked about, was it like Linda's story? Was it like Betty and Barney Hills, Travis Walton or completely different? Definitely let us know. I'd be interested to hear, you know, what your experience was like, but if not, I mean, let us know what you think about the, you know, the gray aliens. Do you think they're, here for good or or bad reasons or do you think it's all just bullshit and you know there is no aliens here visiting us so either way let us know but we'll go ahead and wrap up today's episode there thanks again for listening to another episode of the lights out podcast we will see you guys next week and until then lights out everybody <laughs>